How's it going, Yankee fans? Welcome back to Fireside Yankees with your boys, Alex and Ryan. So running back this Blake Snell narrative today, things are starting to get even more heated. There's conflicting reports. Mark Feinstein, Andy Martino, battle of the reporters saying different things. What's true, what's not? Well, we can assume one thing. The Yankees know they need that next top flight starter in the rotation. Why would you start? Why would you stop one yard short? It's like Marshawn Lynch. Run the freaking ball with Marshawn. Don't throw it to Malcolm Butler. Like, it's, you're on the one yard line. Take the strong, uh, aggressive point and run with it. If they get Blake Snell, you're looking at one of the best rotations on paper in baseball. Carlos Rodon, if he bounces back, you have a nasty one, two, three. And you have Blake Snell coming off an NL Cy Young award-winning season. And then Garrett Cole. However, it comes down to the right contracts. Now, let's get one thing out of the way, the different reports. Mark Feinstein is saying the Yankees have an offer on the table for Blake Snell. Andy Martino says they don't. We don't really know. You know, Brian Hoke of MLB.com believes that, you know, Mark Feinstein's report is true. So, you know, there really is a lot of conflicting messages going on right now. But one thing is for sure, I don't think the Yankees would stop at the one-yard line and not get Blake Snell. But it has to be the right contract. We're going to discuss the different offers that we already know. We're going to discuss what a potential contract would look like for Blake Snell, what makes sense for the Yankees, because he's 31 years old. And I sure as hell don't want to be paying that man until he's $40, $35 million, okay? So... Let's get that out of the way right now. He's pitched over 130 innings twice in his career, 180 innings last season. He's going to regress most likely. That, that's what the law of averages would suggest. So, Ryan, let's break down Blake Snell, what a realistic contract would look like, and what are your thoughts on the most recent reports? Yeah, so uh, the, the initial thing that comes to my head when I'm looking at these reports is, what the you know like I just I don't know what's going on right like I I uh, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna be completely honest with you guys Blake Snell is a weird free agent because it's like okay well let's say the Yankees don't sign him who signs him right like that's kind of like it's like the incumbent team is not involved right like Cody Bellinger you know I'm not saying Cody Bellinger is like he's in a better situation but you know from his perspective the Cubs might throw him another you know the, the Cubs might be willing to bring him back his incumbent team is not completely out on him Matt Chapman even you would argue the Toronto Blue Jays would be at least opportunistic uh, at the opportunity of bringing him back I mean I'm not saying Isaiah Kainer-Falefa was signed to be a bench piece he, he might be signed to be the starting third baseman but you would hope Isaiah Kainer-Falefa doesn't stop a team from signing a third baseman right we, we, we know the experience with IKF he is not necessarily the most enticing starting player um, you know looking at even a, a team a player like Jordan Montgomery right not saying the incumbent team is involved. It looks like the Rangers are kind of done. Um, but, you know, there's teams out there. Like the Phillies are kind of throw, thrown in that mix. You know, he, he'll find a home somewhere. And he doesn't have the qualifying offer. So, you know, a, any team that kind of wants to jump into that fray, they don't have to worry about draft compensation. The Yankees have, you know, Blake Snell has a qualifying offer attached to him. You're losing a pick. You're losing two picks. The Yankees would lose their second and fifth round pick alongside about a million dollars in international free agent money. For the Yankees, not that that doesn't matter, but the Yankees have money. They can kind of just buy talent. If you're a team like, you know, the Guardians or the Orioles, right, or just a team that doesn't spend a lot of money historically, uh, you know... You kind of need those picks. Those picks are how you get better players. Those picks are how you find what you need in your organization. That international free agent money allows you to sign, you know, those those Dominican prospects or Venezuelan prospects or, you know, wherever they are in South America or Central America to add to your roster. Uh, you know, when Roki Sasaki becomes available, your part of your enticing package will be the money, right? And I'm not saying this to say the Yankees, you know, should throw away international free agent money because who cares? But more so to say the Yankees can afford to, uh, you know, you know the Yankees can afford to spend more on talent. And Blake Snell would certainly fit their their bill. I think Mark Fanside said, like, the Giants and the Angels. Farhan Zaidi, who's the GM of the Giants, came out and said that, you know, he, he, they're basically kind of, they're happy with what they have. They're, they're, they're basically set. 
they're not going to rule anything out, but I mean, it sounded like very much, uh, yeah, we're done. Uh, you know, something could pop up, but we're done. And then the Angels case, I mean, Alex, I don't want to be disrespectful. Um, I, I, I like, you know, I, I think every MLB franchise deserves, you know, a, a certain bar of respect. But, I mean, why would anyone play for the Los Angeles Angels? Like, at least for the Oakland Athletics, you go, ah, I might play in Vegas one day. For the Los Angeles Angels, you get to be little brother to a team. Like, we talk about, hey, like, if you want to sound the Yankees or Mets, you know, the Yankees are the more iconic brand. You know, Steve Cohen's a money man. You know, the Mets are still, like, the Mets are still the Mets. The Mets are still, like, an iconic franchise, all things considered. It's still New York, baby. You know what I'm saying? Orange County, uh, Anaheim, you know what I mean? It doesn't really, they don't even play in New York. They don't play in Los Angeles, they play in Anaheim. At least the Mets play in New York, you know what I'm saying? Uh, like, I don't think that's a direct comparison there. I see a lot of people compare, like, the Angels and the Mets. It's not even close. The Mets are much, I mean, I, I would much rather prefer to play for the Mets. And I, I honestly, looking at what they have with David Stern and stuff like that, I would actually want to play for that organization. I don't think anyone would want to play for the Los Angeles Angels. So, uh, what is Blake Snell's alternative option, right? Like, where is the, uh, who is the team that he's stringing for leverage against the Yankees? The Yankees are kind of like, hey, we're not giving you more what we're not giving you what we're not comfortable giving you, and you can't ask us to do it. You can't demand us to make an uncomfortable offer because you can't match us. You know what I mean? With Soto, they were very willing to let the Padres go go find a better offer somewhere else because they knew nobody else was willing to match them. With even Yamamoto, right? Like it, it was a matter of you know the Dodgers saying, go find your money. The Yankees and Mets made pretty substantial offers, and then the Dodgers made matched everybody else's offer. Then they ended up getting him, right? So I'm just saying this to say Blake Snow doesn't really have alternative options, or at least based on what we know, he doesn't have alternative options. And barring something unforeseen, I'm not saying the Yankees are going to end up with Blake Snow. I'm not saying it's a 50-60% chance, but it looks like they're the most rumored team. It looks like they're the most active team in conversations right now, and he might want to sign soon because pitchers and catchers have already reported he is a week late. Every day is another week, and he's got to build up his arm. He's got to get going. He's got to build a report with the catchers. He's got to make up a lot of time quickly. And Blake Snell said he's probably thinking, i got to sign as soon as possible, because if he doesn't, he's going to fall further and further behind, and that might hurt his 2024 numbers. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point. What team is going to give him $270 million over nine years? I mean, I don't think anyone really is. Otherwise, he'd already have signed. So, you know, if you're Scott Boras, what are you thinking right now? Well, nobody wants to give us that type of money. We know the Yankees gave us five years, $150 million. They went out and got Marcus Stroman, pulled that offer. So now you ask yourself, who's left? Um, we know that Mike Trout came out and said, what, today? That he's trying to push the ownership of the Angels to spend money and bring in a big free agent signing. So, like, it's not out of the question that could go after a guy like Snell, but it's unlikely given how resistant they have been to spending more money. Um, they would have just brought back, maybe, um, maybe not Otani. I mean, he's double the price, if not quadruple the price um, of Blake Snell. But, you know, Snell's 31 years old. I don't think anyone wants to be paying him 30-plus million dollars when he's 38, 39, 40 years old. So if I'm the Yankees, I'm giving him two different options, right? The short-term, high-money, year-over-year deal, and the long-term deal that has an out after uh, for three or four seasons. So I'd probably look something in the range of, like, on a short-term deal, three years, like $110 million. I think that's like $35 million per season or something like that. So uh, you give him more money per season, shorter years. That way he gets plenty of money. I mean, guys, like seriously, you have $100 million. Like what more do you really need? He's just, he'll never have to think about money ever again in his entire life if he already doesn't, um, let alone generational wealth. Um, plus he gets on another contract after that. Or you go in the direction of, 
We'll sign you to an eight-nine-year deal, no problem. But we want an out after the fourth season, and we'll still pay you thirty-five million dollars. So if you're playing really well, you know maybe we keep you uh, for a little bit longer. Maybe you have outs after the third, fourth season, and then the sixth season. That way, if he is performing well and still a really you know nice piece for this Yankee team, they can keep him. Um, and $35 million four years from now in, the, in baseball is probably going to be like an average contract for pitchers. So it's not like the worst thing in the world. Um, so you're, you're kind of wondering right now, like the different options that Blake Snell could could settle on. Nobody's giving him guaranteed eight or nine years. I just don't see it happening. I don't see what team is going to do it. The Dodgers are clearly already done. Uh, they've already gone out and spent a billion this offseason. So, you know, we ask ourselves, who's the big players left? Uh, the Yankees seem like the only real big players left. Maybe the Giants decide or the Angels decide to spend money. But, like, why? Like, they're not really going to be that big of contenders. Maybe the Giants take a big step forward. But, you know, the Angels obviously losing their best player, one of the best players ever. They're going to take a big step backward. Like, that's on, on our, that's objectively true. So, you, know, you have to ask yourself if you're the Yankees, you make the, you make the jump now. Or you wait. There is no reason for general manager Brian Cashman to be overly aggressive right now, in my opinion. Right? You said like he, he's wasting time in terms of Snell is wasting time. He has to get acclimated, join a new team. He knows that. He knows he wants to start, you know, kind of getting involved and, and building chemistry with his teammates. But the truth is this, like, I think we already saw him sit next to Garrett Cole on multiple occasions. We know Garrett Cole has spoken with him about this. We know that he's been like, yo, come come to New York. Like, we have a really great thing going. Snell, like, and here's the thing though. When you have Scott Boris as your agent, it doesn't really sometimes it doesn't matter what the player wants. Like Snell can be like, I want a short term deal, higher money, I want to go win a championship. And Boris is gonna be like, nah, like we were gonna get you the biggest, the best deal we could possibly get you. It's just it's just about money for him. And, you know, I think that some teams are fed up of it a little bit. And some of these free agents, they're asking too much. You know, Jordan Montgomery's still a free agent too. Where is he going? Back to Texas? Who knows? Uh so like you're you're kind of sitting here wondering. What is the next step for some of these big-name free agents? Cody Bellinger's market? My God, had he murdered Cody Bellinger's market. Like, the guy literally at the jugular took Bellinger's market this offseason, waited way too long, asked for way too much. Nobody was going to be investing like that um, on a center fielder who is inconsistent, to say the least. So, you know, you ask yourself right now, what does the future hold for Snell? And in my opinion... Cashman is playing this right. He's being patient. He's quelling the reports. And for what it's worth, I think that the Andy Martina reports and the uh, Mark Feinstein reports, maybe they're not both wrong. Maybe they're just the different perspectives of both sides. Cashman's like, no, nah, like we're not interested. We're not going to play that game. And Boris is feeding Feinstein stuff and Feinstein saying, oh, the Yankees are interested. There's a bidding war. There's competitors. And, you know, Martino's getting it from the Yankee side, essentially saying, like, we're not interested in that. Like, you know, we're not competing. We're waiting for that deal to come down to us. We're waiting for you to come to us, not us go to you. And that's how I'm perceiving it, Ryan. I don't know about you, but I feel like that's the right way to perceive it. You're getting two different perspectives from two different reports, and they're battling against each other, basically. Um, and if you're Cashman, you have no reason to bend the knee to Scott Boris. You have no reason. I think the Yankees are more than fine going into the season with what they have right now. Um, they can always try to go out and trade for somebody and not give up any money. And the longer that Snell's a free agent, the less money he's probably going to get because now, now it's desperation time for him. He loses leverage every day he waits. So if I'm Cashman, I'm standing my ground. I'm standing right freaking here and I'm saying... I'm not going to that price. You know, that's not the price I want. This is what we're offering. This is, you know, we're, we're willing to come and, and compromise a little bit, but we're not going to we're not going to spend an extra hundred million dollars on Blake Snell. Not going to happen. And by the way, nobody is. Otherwise, he'd already have been signed. So, you know, what is your thought on that perception of it? I think the two reports, maybe they're both right, but I think they're the different perspectives of 
the agent side and the general manager side, and they're both playing this game with the media, trying to combat each other. And right now, Cashman's winning because Snell's market is dwindling, and it is not what it was supposed to be. So I think right now the Yankees have a lot of leverage. Yeah, so the big thing for me at the very least is, you know, as you alluded to, Scott Boris, let's, let, me, let me just clarify. I, look, I think Scott Boris is the greatest baseball agent, sports agent, whatever you want to call it, in, in, right now, like in the game. Like, there's, there's nobody better. But, man... Things are getting dicey, right? Things are getting, uh, things are getting very dicey. Uh, you know, I, I'm not saying this to say that the New York Yankees and you know are they're gonna swoop in and they're gonna be able to get Blake Snell at whatever they want. You know what I mean? But um, you know, it, it doesn't like what is who is Brian Cashman bidding against, right? Like that's his thought process. Who am I bidding against, right? Like I don't, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bid against myself. This isn't, you know, Juan Soto where you absolutely must have the guy. You know, we sat here and, and talked about Juan Soto and, and we made it very clear. The Yankees needed Juan Soto. And I'm not, I'm not trying to, to, you know, uh, antagonize anybody. Um, but I, I remember when early in the off season, the conversation was the Yankees shouldn't spend a dime on their pitching. They need to go all in on offense, all in on offense, do everything they can to just improve the offense. That's all they need to do. Don't even worry about the pitching yet, all that stuff. And suddenly that narrative changed. It, it seemed like once they fixed the offense, it was, oh yeah, okay, you did exactly what we wanted you to do. Uh, but it, now it's not good enough. We're going to find something else to complain about. I understand the rotation isn't perfect. The rotation certainly has injury question marks, and you and I are not going to sit here and, and, you know, pretend like that that isn't a thing. Like, we were sitting here a year ago looking at their Yankees starting five and saying, this could be a really great unit, um, and we're not going to sit here and pretend Carlos Rodon didn't have a bad year, and Esther Cortez didn't have a bad year, and that Clark Schmidt has to take steps forward, and that Stroman doesn't have hip issues that he had last year that, you know, were a little concerning. We're not here to tell you that there are no concerns with rotations. But we're here to tell you, the Yankees do not need Blake Snell the way they needed Juan Soto. They need Blake Snell in the sense that, man, it would just be the most evil empire shit ever, right? It would make them so good, right? It'd be so, so, so good. Unbelievably good, Alex. They would be the best pitching staff in baseball. But at the same time, you have to look at, I'm sorry, you have to look at Juan Soto. You have to look at him and say, any decision you make that impedes your ability to keep Juan Soto... It is, it's, I mean, let's be real here. Like, you have to factor that in. It absolutely has to be factored in. I want Blake Snell on this team. I want any, I want a starting pitcher who can make an impact on this roster. I, I don't think anybody disagrees with that. I don't think anybody feels any differently. But Alex, you have to factor in Juan Soto. The guy's on a press conference right now telling you Robinson Cano is his favorite player and that, you know, he feels like he's at home in New York. I'm sorry, that's your franchise icon for the next decade, you know what I mean? Uh, so, you know, I, I understand that the Yankees are like, yeah, we're not giving you seven years, Blake Snell. We've got a potentially 15-year commitment we might make to a 25-year-old superstar next year. They, uh, again, I'm not saying this to say the Yankees shouldn't add starting pitching. The Yankees don't need starting pitching. The Yankees, you know, don't serve to benefit from adding Blake Snell. But, you know, kind of just reemphasizing, guys... They're not going to treat Blake Snell the way they treated Juan Soto. And that's because there's a fundamental difference in who these two players are. Yes, Blake Snell's the reigning Cy Young winner. He is not a future Hall of Famer in his prime. He is a very good pitcher, but he's not a Hall of Famer. Juan Soto, if the Yankees extend Juan Soto, or not extend, they're, gonna, they're not going to extend them. They would have to happen for agency. If the Yankees would have signed Juan Soto for agency, Alex, I mean, I just want you to think about this. In, in 20 years, right, you know, you're going to have Juan Soto... He's going to be walking. He's going to be walking up to that podium in Cooperstown, talking about the rings he won in New York, the championships, holding up his plaque, 
that plaque has a Yankees cap on it. You look at Monument Park in 20 years, and we'll be walking around with our kids, with whatever it may be, and we'll say, you see that number right there? That number, number 22, you see who, you know who, you know who that, who that guy was? Juan Soto. You tell him about all the, the greatest left-handed hitter to play for the Yankees in my lifetime, whatever it may be. I just, you know, I, I look at Juan Soto and I just say, that is, you can't lose Juan Soto. You just can't. And you have to make sure you put yourself in a financial position to be ready to give him that big deal. And if that means not signing Blake Snell, so be it, Alex. So be it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's spot on. You can't compromise the possibility of landing Snell um, or landing Soda, rather, for Blake Snell. It's just not going to happen. you got a 25-year-old superstar generational hitter. And then Snell, who's only th- who's 31 years old and aging and probably going to re- regress after his best season yet. Um, I think that the numbers would, would say that. Logic would say that. L- looking at it would say it. You know, you can look at any different variable or perspective. Everything says don't compromise your ability to sign Juan Soto by signing Snell to a long-term deal that locks you into probably what's going to end up becoming a horrific contract. So Cashman knows this, though. Like, any team with half a brain is not going to risk a long-term guaranteed deal with no outs in it for Blake Snell. Nobody. If he was 28 years old, maybe you would take the eight- or nine-year deal. But he's 31. Not going to happen, guys. I just don't see it, especially because he has longevity issues. He has stamina issues. There's red flags across the board here. Everyone can see them. Um, so we better, you better believe Cashman knows it too. But we'll see how things unfold. I do like the idea of if you're going to give him a longer-term deal, has to have outs in it, has to have club options in it. Or shorter-term deal, higher money. Obviously, the luxury tax situation plays a big part in this. But as I said to Ryan before this, the Yankees would have – imagine the Yankees would have got Juan Soto and Yamamoto. That's what they were trying to do. They were about to give Yamamoto $30-plus million per season um, on a 10-year deal. They still have money to spend there. That margin is still there. You know, they gave they gave Stroman 17.5 mil. So essentially, like, you could just double – you know, add an extra 15 mil to it. You end up with Snell. Again, it's annoying, you know, because they, they push past that third luxury tax threshold. But do they want to win a championship or not? Are they going to hand the ball off to Marshawn Lynch? Or are they going to throw it to Malcolm Butler? This is the opportunity. That's the decision they have to make, in my opinion. And ultimately, I think Cashman is aggressive enough that he will make the right choice. Um, but he's also not bending the knee. He's taking the right approach. He's being cautious, being um, you know well-prepared. He's not jumping on, not being reactionary. The Yankees have time. They know that Snell's losing leverage. They don't. Have, they, all they have to do is wait for that deal to come to them. And I think they're doing the right thing. So... Guys, always happy your perspectives down below in the YouTube comment section. Make sure to like and subscribe as always. Appreciate you. And we'll catch you guys on the next Fireside Yankees episode.